Dublin's Talking Sport. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Morning, Reg. How are you? Oh, never better. Never better, I have to say. What a weekend that was last weekend of snooker. Mm. It was fantastic. Uh, uh, I was glued to it. I couldn't uh, stop watching really? Luca Brazil. He was a breath of fresh air, but I thought he'd blown it. <laughs> yeah, he came back really well, didn't he, Salby? I mean, it was one of the... I think it was probably one of the greatest um, snooker championships that we've ever had, and, and particularly for the winner. You know, the way he uh, won that semi-final from 14-5 behind, yeah. which was the greatest comeback in Super history of the group. Book. And then, uh, of course, he was 16-10 up, came back to 16-15 for Selby. Uh, and Luke Sal made those wonderful breaks in the end to, to hold him off. But, uh, yeah, it was amazing. The one four seven in the final and everything, you know, it just it had everything around, you know. It was just a brilliant... Uh, Brilliant, brilliant final, brilliant championships, and uh, yeah, it just had everything. I, I kind of, I really felt uh, Selby was going to come back and pip him at mm. the post. It just looked like all the momentum had gone that way, and I know um, Mark Selby missed one that he probably will look back on and say that might have cost him yeah. the championship um, because Luca Brussel's body language had gone at that point, and I don't yeah. think he was thinking he was going to get back in there for that chance, but when he got back in and he took his opportunity, um, I, I think it was I think it was the best result for snooker, was it? Like, I mean, uh, oh, without a doubt, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Just the way he played, you know, flamboyant, you know, charismatic, uh, going for shots, and uh, yeah, just the way he played. I think he brought a whole new level, and a lot of fans to snooker. Just uh, in the manner, the way he won those championships, you know, it was like a sort of the way Higgins won it, maybe like all those years ago, nineteen. 82. It's just, just fantastic. Yeah. Looking back on his kind of world snooker career, it wasn't great. <laughs> you know, he kind of no. was showing up no. for the first round and getting knocked out or not even qualifying for the most part. What's he like um, as a person? And, and you know, mm. what do you think winning this championship is going to mean to him? Is it going to change him or is he going to... Well, the funny... The funny thing was that he, he'd never won a match at the Crucible. He'd been there five times, mm. lost all his first round matches. Uh, so he'd been trying to win his first match. He only won his first match this time, like 10-9 against Ricky Walden. Uh, and once he got over that, he got through Mark Williams, and then he came back from 10-6 down against Ronnie O'Sullivan, won seven in a row. And uh, he just went down from there. But like he was just you know, beating that Caesar Wee in the semi-final from 14-5 behind and then going on to beating Selby, who, who is one of the greatest players that we've ever had, like uh, match players. Hmm. Uh, it was just incredible. But yeah, what is he like? Very unassuming. You know, nice lad. Uh, I remember playing him in an exhibition in Belgium when he was only about 10 years of age. And, uh, yeah, you could see his sort of prodigious talent even then, you know, but he's very... Very grounded, very nice large, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, delighted, absolutely delighted for him, you know. But he's just ordered a new Ferrari. Uh, uh, <laughs> from winning the World Championship, so uh, what's the, what's the first prize? Like, that, was, that was the 
first thing he did is he won the World Championship Yardage and you, uh, Ferrari spoiler. What, what's first prize for that for the World Championship? 500,000. There won't be much left out of a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Ken, uh, uh, that's interesting. Just for our listeners, because I'm interested as well. I mean, yeah. what... I, I often think uh, maybe like the Rose of Tralee. What does a Rose do for the year after they win the Rose of Tralee? When you win the World Championship in snooker for the first time and you're an outsider and you, 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 you when you won it, like you would have been um, a surprise win as well yeah. for many. Um, yeah. So Brissell is definitely a surprise win. What happens in the 12 months after you win it? Are you whisked around on exhibitions? Are you given like, uh, what, what, what's it like? Yeah, well, I mean, you'd be... You know, you'd be inundated with requests, obviously. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure back in his small country, just like our own, uh, you know, he would be. You know what they did on the on the final day? They he he actually dominated the back pages. They had their own FA Cup final uh, in Belgium, teams, yeah. like, uh, and he predominated the back page, uh, and the FA Cup final. Was uh, was pushed back into the like the like two or three pages of the back page, even wow. on the back page. Yeah, yeah, which is quite incredible. So that's how much it means to Belgium. And yeah, he'd be absolutely inundated. But just Stephen Hendry, I was with Stephen Hendry last night, and he said, "Have a look at this picture. Luca Brussel has just posted." He said he's just posted, just ordered this brand new Ferrari. Uh, <laughs> so, like he's got a lot. For to... me, it was like for me, it was like an ordinary car. Well, like uh, yeah, you got a Mondeo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got a lot, of, a lot of cars. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, he uh, like is there again being the you know he's got a Ferrari to pay for now. Is there an opportunity to make money for the next twelve months out of it? Like, are you getting paid well for exhibition matches in the modern yeah, snooker yeah. world? I think that's the thing. He, he has to be mindful. He's still very grounded. Yeah. And uh, to try and make as much as he can. Because, I mean, this, he may never, ever, you know, win the World Championship again. But I hope he does, you know, yeah. because of his talent. But uh, it's not guaranteed so many great players and things. So he has to go and try and, you know, milk as much as he can. Mm. But listen, just the, the talent and the way he played, I hope. Uh, you know he stays grounded and and lots of uh, he makes a lot of money out from Belgium I'm sure he will Stay, stays grounded he just ordered a Ferrari yeah he's, he sounds <laughs> grounded alright yeah definitely yeah his head is together <laughs> that, yeah. I think that might be uh, that order might be going back in somewhere or other when someone grabs exactly. a hold of him and says listen yeah, yeah. <laughs> calm down here <laughs> a little bit to go yet um, yeah well, it's great it's great for the game you know that's brilliant it's brilliant and the seniors is on as well at the moment uh, Seniors is on, yeah. Unfortunately, I lost in the first match against mm. uh, Alfie Borden, but Stephen Henry won last night. Jimmy Jimmy White won last night, and uh, wouldn't it be great if the both of them got to the final on Sunday and they played another final at the Crucible? That would be amazing. But this year, they've had over four thousand ticket sales, just like pre pre ticket sales, pre pre sold. Yeah, uh, which is fantastic, you know. Which is a thousand open last year. Amazing. So the credits been fantastic. It's on BBC on the red button or BBC Four. Brilliant. And uh, it's been brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. Excellent stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, other in other sports, of course, it's been a busy week, but uh, disappointing week for United. I watched the game. My God, oh, they were brutal. Shocking. They were brutal. Shocking. Uh, and I tell you what, Lou Shaw. 
Yeah. He has a lot to answer for. The way he uh, handled that ball, like in the dying minutes of the game. No wonder he was sent out to do the interview afterwards. I don't know whether you noticed that. No, I didn't. But he went, he was sent out on his own, like to do the interview afterwards. Uh, on, uh, You know, like, but like, the handball was just. And it, you could see it in him when they were going back like he, he was there. It, there was no even trying to deny it. It was just so yeah. obvious that it was. And, um, but why it, do something like that? In the dying minutes of the game, I mean, it was just stupid. Absolutely stupid. Yeah, I know. But it's just. But they should have... You would have thought that they would have had... Uh, been in control before that anyway I mean there was yeah. chances I mean it was it was a poor performance across the board regardless of of the penalty let's their say their way form Reggie has been absolutely, absolutely. abysmal yeah you has. know they need to do something and if, if they don't do something you know Liverpool are hot in their hot in their heels now like you know for the top four they're only what, four points with a game in hand mm-hmm. well you know they could be caught yeah without a doubt they could be caught you know they've got some tough games on the run in Liverpool, you know, they got Brentford this weekend, which you'd expect to win. Yeah. You know, they've got West Ham, which a game that they could lose, yeah. you know, or drop points again. Like, so they're under pressure, you know, they didn't need to be. Mm. Yeah, I know, I know. And, uh, City are at home to Leeds. What do you think? Yeah. A big Sam back in there. Someone no. said to me last night, <laughs> I don't know if it's true, he's getting, if he, he's negotiated a deal that if he manages to keep them up, he gets three million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He possibly will. Yeah. He possibly will. But uh, his statement during the week about being better than Klopp, mm. Arteta, and Brilliant. Even Brilliant. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, fantastic. What a way to get the attention back on himself straight back away. On himself and away from the players. Yeah. yeah just uh, look at me. That's what he does. He's fantastic. Yeah, I know it is. Brilliant. I hope they stay up late, to be honest. You know, I would like to see them go down and. Yeah, no, I, I think they're a good team. Uh, just a couple of things not been going right for them, but uh, I don't see them having too much luck today I, against City. I mean, they're just r- cruising at the moment, City. They are, yeah. Playing beautiful football. Beautiful. And they, well, I mean, they, uh, the treble is on, isn't it? Yeah. They play Real Madrid, Real Madrid next week, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that one is a big one. And, of course, United in the in the final of the FA Cup, if they win the league... That could be that could be treble uh, against United in the in the FA Cup final, but they're they're playing lovely football. And I mean, I don't, I, I can't see Real Madrid stopping them the way they're playing. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. Okay, well, mm. we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I've got Stephen Ireland coming on now in a few minutes. Oh, I know, I just heard that. Yeah, yeah. it'd be quite interesting. I mean, he played for Man City, of course. Yeah, so he's we'll a be. very great player. And looking forward uh, to chatting to him. To hear, see what he has to say. Yeah, he'll be. Uh, it'll, it'll be uh, t- interesting to, to to see his opinion on City and how they've changed over the years. If if you know he can really see the differences. But I'm uh, looking forward to chatting to him. But uh, great chatting to yeah. you as well. Um, you have a good week now. Are you working on the seniors for the next couple of days. I'll be here for the weekend. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go down and see Christian mm. uh, tomorrow or today and tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I'll be back up for the seniors for the finals morning. Excellent stuff. Okay, well, you mind yourself yeah. in regards to Christian. Right, Take right. care of yourself and we'll catch Have up again soon. Yeah. My next guest uh, comes to us thanks to the Sports Endorsed platform, which connects elite athletes and brands with opportunities around the world. Um, he began his career with Cove Ramblers before joining in Manchester City and becoming a, a regular and establishing himself in the team around 2000. I'm very delighted to welcome to the show Stephen Ireland. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? 
going? Oh, it's going great, thanks. Uh, yeah, I was just talking to Ken Doherty there and uh, telling him he was you were coming on the show. He was excited to hear it. Um, I suppose, uh, Stephen, I'll start with, you found yourself maybe at the centre of a little bit of controversy this week <laughs> for yeah. no good reason as far as I can see myself, because as far as I'm concerned, you didn't say anything wrong, but maybe tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, uh, it's very frustrating, really. Um, you know, it's. I was doing a Q and A for uh, like a twelve-year-old kid in the USA, and yeah. he saw he suffers from anxiety and lack of confidence. And I answered a question based on you know, the best player I played against or best players. So I, I, I listed a few names of players I played against, and I gave examples of the reasons why it wasn't certain players, and it's based on on the day. These guys didn't outperform me, or you know, I didn't get back home that night and go, "Wow, I got absolutely destroyed today by these guys." But yeah. other players have done that to me, so that's how I answer the question. But people have ran with it like I'm saying I'm better than these players, like you know, these Frank Lampard and Stephen Gerrard and Paul Scholes. Like I, you know, I know I didn't have five percent of the career that Dave had, um, and. You know, I do beat, my, beat myself up over that. I had the ability to do a hell of a lot more, which I didn't. And you know, all I'm saying is, in these games, I never, I never got kind of destroyed by these guys. Or you know, we could have beat these guys three one. Yeah. So clearly, they didn't have a good game. So why would I say that these guys were better than me? Or I can go off my experience playing against them. You know, if I played against, say, I don't know, let's say I played against Harry Kane, we got injured after five minutes and came off. I I couldn't answer the question. Harry Kane's the best player I played against. Yeah. That's the kind of angle I was going at, you know, where I was just saying these big names, I've never been destroyed by them, or I've always held my own, or I competed well with them. But mm. other guys then, like Eden Hazard, for example, and Fabregas, and these kind of guys, they were incredible on the day. So that's, that's how I, I felt like I answered it, but clearly it went completely the opposite way, and it just, yeah, it was just a nightmare. Well, I tell you, Stephen, <clears throat> for me, it's the greatest example of a storm in a teacup I've ever heard because, and I, I, I know exactly where you were coming from and uh, I myself would have often felt, you know, that there were players that were better than me that I would have played against that I would, but I would have handled myself well against and been more than happy to say that on the day uh, I, I got the better of them. And you're not sort of, you know, you're not lambasting them for having a bad career just because of that. So it's a, it's a real yeah. example of how social media and mainstream media Media, just look for an angle to create a bit of controversy, really, no, isn't absolutely, it? absolutely, absolutely. You know, and for a long time I've avoided, or, or, or at least selective with, like, what I've done in the press. Like, you know, I'm always getting asked to go on TV, media and podcasts. And it always, for many years, I've turned it all down for these kind of reasons. And I just, like, uh, uh, Harman's Q&A for a 12-year-old kid in America. Yeah. My friend put it on some sort of TikTok platform. I don't even know what that is. I you yeah. know, I think my my kids have it or whatever, but and it's just it's just spread. It's just it's gone absolutely crazy and yeah, it's it's not been it's not been good. I, I I don't have that attitude. I'm not a kind of I let let's say I'm not kind of a Conor McGregor attitude where I have loads of self belief, I walk around with my chest up, I you know, I I have that kind of idea of myself where I am better. That's not my character. I'm quite yeah. actually easy going and modest and and to be painted like that, it, that's the frustrating part for me. Is it's it's not me. I, I I could own it if I was that kind of character. Yes, but because I'm not. Yeah, it's quite frustrating. It's hard to you know, take. You know what I mean? So, but look, it, this is the nature of it, and it's not the first time these kind of things happen to me in my career. It's like it's kind of what I expected. But like I say, when I have such a big gap without me p- putting myself out there, yeah. it's just frustrating when these things do come out again, and you find yourself 
doing stuff to get to get yourself out of it. Again. I know, I know. You, <laughs> if you're, as the old saying goes, if you're explaining, you're losing. Well, I'll tell you, you're you're not losing in my eyes. You did nothing wrong. It's just, I mean, you know, the gas part about it is uh, the the people who do that, and uh, you know, who maybe are a little bit arrogant and have that self belief. The likes of Ronaldo and these guys being perfect examples, where they're constantly pushing themselves out there as being the greatest, are never questioned or are never brought uh, to, to to account for. It. So, look, uh, no, it, 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 there's no such thing as bad publicity, as they say. But, like, you know, I, I'd love to chat to you about where you are now. So, you, you have your own sports agency now, SAR 7. Am I, am I right in that? Yeah, I am. Um, when I broke my leg at Stoke and kind of ended my career, mm. um, I just set up my own agency, um, which I felt it's kind of going more to the angle of coaching and mentoring and guidance for these younger lads who I felt... I needed or there's a, a niche there for it because you look at so many kids trying to become footballers and if I can kind of give some input into the do's, the don'ts and my experiences and you know I'm also working with them on the pitch daily to help improve areas of their game mm. you know that could be they could be the, you know, the 5 or 10% that might you know catapult them into different areas as they go forward and it might be the difference between becoming Premier League players or League One players or playing different countries hopefully I can have some input with them. So, yeah, yeah I'm just recruiting kind of the best talents, I suppose, you know. And, you, and, and Stephen, you, you started your career in Cove Ramblers before you went mm-hmm. to City. So you you know what it's like to, to make that transition. I'm interested on your thoughts of the standard of football here in Ireland because we'd have a lot of listeners. Uh, in particular, I know a lot of dads dropping their kids off to football on a Saturday morning, listen to the show and the kids themselves will be in the car. Is there is there a real pathway, do you think, and still opportunity for lads from this side of the pond to make it over there? Yeah, well, look, the Brexit, the Brexit uh, scenario has been a bit tough for yeah. them because they can't come over 16 now, unfortunately. So yeah. it has been a bit of an obstacle there um, if they're good enough to go to Europe. But still, still, there's still clubs here, you know, signing lads at 18 from Ireland who are good enough. It's just can these guys develop, you know, those two years that should be in England, um, can, they, can they develop and get everything they need over there for a couple of years? Some do, some don't. And, you know, a lot of people have to take ownership of themselves as well. Not just the clubs or coaches, players also need to kind of outsource stuff outside the club, whatever that is, whether it's sprint coaches or one-to-one coaches, which which again adds up all the differences, you know, in these percentages of their all-round game. But I, I know that Ireland is flooded with talent, it always has been, and it's there's so many, so many good players there. Um, and I think they're doing everything right there. I think Brexit's actually helped Ireland. I think they've, they've kind of changed their thinking, they've changed their their kind of mindset into the, the the training and it is it's a great market it's an absolute great market for all 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 clubs in Europe and, and England um, you know I've had some players go to, to Europe at 16 and I've got players who recently went from you know Marco Manny from Corsi recently went to, to Brighton at 18 so it's never over you know it's just can they you know sustain the kind of trajectory of ability mm. and progression from 16 to 18 in the right club or the right development program in Ireland um, because 16 is a vital age you know when we, we came across at 16 yeah. it was two years in academy development but now you've missed that chunk out you know where it's kind of full time at 16 to 18 in a development program in England it, it's now you're still in Ireland you're 18 and you're coming across 18 into the under 21 football so you've mm. missed a, a big chunk of your development there so it's just making sure you get those right areas uh, developed while you're in Ireland
And uh, it's time to turn our attention to rugby now, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the one and only Will Slattery. Morning, Will. How are you? Good, thanks, Reggie. How are you? Oh, never better, never better. What a great week that was last week. Um, I have to go back to the Leinster game and have a quick chat with you about it because um, I was nervous going into the game. I don't mind saying it. I think a lot of Leinster fans were. To lose coming to town, just don't know what you're going to get with them. Um, but... I suppose uh, the word complete performance is often thrown around, but I think that's what you have to say about that Leinster performance. It was absolutely magnificent. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. You know, coming into the match, you know, you were nervous, you say, and I know a lot of people I knew were very, very nervous, people tipping to lose or, or thinking certainly would be very close. And I'm not coming on after the fact and saying I knew Leinster were going to win well, but mm-hmm. I did think that you could flip a lot of the things people were asking about Leinster back onto Toulouse. You know, Leinster were under huge pressure, but it wasn't a one-way street. Toulouse have lost, you know, three semi-finals heavily coming into this game. Albeit they had also won one championship like Leinster, they had a huge kind of expectation on them as well. You know, the, the, it wasn't just Leinster the only one feeling the pressure. A lot of people were, oh, how will Leinster stop these Toulouse threats? But I was also thinking, well, let's flip this on its head, like Leinster going forward like how are Toulouse going to stop them compared to last year and as, as it turned out they couldn't they, there was a lot made of how much more rested Toulouse were but that's not going to help you if you're just so unbelievably ill-disciplined and I do think France come World Cup have to be very careful about this as well you know that moment of madness in the second half by their prop Netty yeah. like we've seen that from the French in, in the recent past you know Mohamed Hawass prop got sent off in the Six Nations that almost proved very costly go back to the last World Cup Bahamahina in the quarter final gets sent off for a mad elbow that cost France their World Cup campaign the, and the ill-discipline generally when they were when they were on the back foot Leinster didn't have to work very hard in that first half to get back on top of that game because Toulouse was giving away so many penalties and then Leinster just put them to the sword and they look very very sharp as you say all their key guys firing in all cylinders it's almost another thing I thought that was forgotten going into the game you would have sworn Leinster were coming in in bad form the way some people were talking about them mm. these are the guys that won the Grand Slam that had absolutely shredded Leicester two, two three weeks earlier so I was very confident and I'm actually very confident again going into the final even though La Rochelle posed a formidable threat I don't see Leinster being stopped with the focus they've brought this year and the quality they're bringing at the moment. Yeah, funnily enough, um, I'm less nervous about the final and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about saying that, but I uh, I really am. Uh, last year, they, I, I did feel La Rochelle were, were a slightly better machine. I thought they were more efficient, more powerful, um, whereas this time I am, as, as I said, more confident about the final. So hopefully... Um, we, we can talk about that uh, at a later stage in the uh, in the weeks to come, but uh, hopefully they'll get the job done on that. Yeah, they just seem to be in a good place, uh, Leinster, at the moment, and I think that's that's the best way to sum them up. I suppose another team um, who are in a good place uh, and uh, got the result last night, somewhat surprisingly, it has to be said, is Connacht uh, beating Ulster 15 points to 10 at home. Two things I have to say to you. Wonderful performance from Connacht and um, a great result for them. But it does call into question Ulster and indeed the coaching staff at Ulster. 100%. For me, that's the end of the Dan McFarlane project. Whether he stays on or not, he might, he might not. But in terms of them competing for a trophy or winning a trophy under this tenure, not happening. Um you know, it's been an absolutely staggering fall from grace, not only for the team, but for individual players. If you look back to the Friday night before the opening autumn test, Ireland A played uh, South Africa A. It was chock full of Ulster guys who we thought were on the periphery of maybe breaking into the national team. 
they were hammered that night and they just have taken backward step after backward step since then. That's been one of the most startling things to me has been the regression of individual players who we thought were ready to make a step to the top table. James Hume, Robert Balakun, Michael Lowry, you know, Nick Timoney, potentially uh, as well in the pack and obviously it's kind of maybe telling that I'm only listing guys in the back line for the most part because Connacht absolutely destroyed them at the breakdown last night but yeah like Ulster to deliver that sort of performance after the season they've had where they finally got into a position to have a home semi-final as well had they won just shows where they're at at the moment I don't think all is well in that camp. Um, they look like they've stagnated completely their attack offered absolutely nothing they're just very reliant on their driving mall like there's no green shoots really for me. Mm. I think it needs to be rebuilt again. And um, a raft of players leaving as well, um, the likes of yeah. Mullen and many many others. So that doesn't add to the cause either. Interestingly, well, and maybe maybe I've just missed it. But um, if you compare Ulster and Munster. Munster are always getting uh, highlighted for their lack of performance. Even early in the season this year, we were talking about how they weren't performing at the level that they should be and it's not the Munster way and we expect more from this Munster team. All of that kind of narrative. Um, But people in in media and sporting media never seem to be short of saying that about Munster. Yet, I don't feel the same is said of Ulster. And Ulster should be up there on a par with Munster, given their history and the fact that they did win a European Cup as well and all of that. Have they been given a bit of a soft ride in Ulster for a period of time? Or am I missing something? Well, I actually think, think, to be fair, when they had that meltdown midway through the season, there was a lot of criticism and questions and and general people saying, what's going on in there? But, like, Munster are just a far bigger brand in Irish sport. And I know, you know, working for a media company, like mm. is in like Ulster doesn't move the needle down here. Like people who read the Irish Independent say aren't massive Ulster rugby fans or don't have a huge interest. So that definitely plays a part. Munster are a monster brand and everyone is interested in them when it comes to Irish rugby. Whereas in this part of the world, people are reading uh, you know publications. Maybe Ulster don't quite you know fit that bill. But yeah. like I certainly agree with you. Like if Ulster shouldn't be getting an easy ride because if you even see compared to where they were. The two teams, you know, however many, maybe six, seven games of the year. I think Ulster had won six of their first seven. Munster have probably lost six of their first seven. Yeah. And then Munster have gotten to a stage where, like, I wouldn't definitely not say they have a free hit tonight, but they've been able to kind of still progress through the URC, get their Champions Cup spot nailed down, while also clearly progress their style of play and take steps forward. So even if they lose tonight, and I actually have a a strong feeling that they might win but even if they were to lose tonight I think Munster fans can leave this season feeling next year we're in a really good place to yeah they feel like they're going in a direction 100% whereas direction. Ulster have actually just like been rolling back like Steve Gredgrave since Christmas time and yeah. now you're thinking where on earth do they go from here is it time for a change in coach like this is Sam McFarland's fifth season like that's a, that's a long long time in professional rugby and to be fair the first few years there was an upward trajectory but they've certainly stagnated and then now like come crashing down and you know they're bringing in Stephen Kitchoff he's a Springbok star and that he will beef up that front row where they badly need it but there's question marks over whether Ian Henderson is staying yeah. it, and, and listen, they're young guns who look like the future 
I've now just lost all form. Like Jacob Stockdale was a worldwide rugby star. Now the guy barely starts for us. Um, mm. So there's lots of questions up there. It's interesting, um, you know, even listening to what you're saying there, they're not a big brand. They're not the brand like Munster. When I, before I even started playing for Leinster, Ulster were the brand. They were mm. like winning interpros on a regular basis. Uh, uh, you know, they were, they were, Huge! They were, their strength of rugby in Ulster was uh, phenomenal. They won a, a European Cup. They they made up um, a very high percentage of the Irish team. Even when I was starting to play for Ireland, they made up a very high percentage of that team because they had they were Ulster rugby. They had a strength about them. But it has slowly declined over those years and and maybe this is the biggest problem that Ulster Rugby need to be looking at is not who's going to be the coach not bringing in a Springbok prop but like the whole organisation and how they're going to make it back to being a brand because as you say they're just not a monster brand Yeah well to be fair they're a monster brand in their area like Belfast is a big city it's like you know and like they like they are a huge force up there like they're probably the biggest professional entity up there I know there's like professional soccer teams and what have you but I, I'm like I think Ulster will probably be you know their big professional uh, kind of franchise up in Ulster so it's not as if they like they don't have any kind of market share they do it's just when you when it comes to competing in the whole island of Ireland like Leinster and Munster Dwarf you know the capabilities and the popularity and the interest levels that Ulster do. Yeah, there's there's lots of things on there to do. list to be mm-hmm. honest, like mm-hmm. like McFarland's contract is still on for at least another season. So it, like it's not it wouldn't be like simple and straightforward and straight for him to move on from him. Like there's, he's been linked with various jobs over the last couple of years. I know he was linked with Leicester before they went a different direction, and you know he might feel himself that it's time for a change. Like he's been there five years and. Like I, I don't know what fans would be if they would be like you know devastated if he were to move on. So it's very interesting crossroads mm. for them. Yeah, it is indeed. Now, uh, just you, you mentioned there, Munster. Uh, so you feel they're going to get the win in Glasgow? I mean, Glasgow have been playing some quality rugby of late. They do like having that home advantage. Um, I think this is, I, I, and I know Munster have been playing well, but I think this is a tough one for them. I just want to give Connacht their due first uh, oh, yes, with this guy, because I'd be remiss if a Connacht fan was listening today and said, you just talk about Ulster the whole time. Yeah. Like, Connacht were well worth that win. They should have they should have won that game by 20 points. Yeah. Like, if I was a Connacht, I actually thought it was Andy Friend's like, entire tenure encapsulated in like one game where there was so much good about them but they just kept shooting themselves in the foot they, they had a couple of walk-in tries that they completely butchered Tom Farrell was guilty in the first half of not playing in Caelan Blade for a run-in Bundyaki messed up a pass in the second half when he had three four men queuing up outside him but ultimately their defence and their Jackling, their breakdown threat. Seamus Hurley Lankin, where has this guy been all year? My lord, he was an unstoppable force in the loose. He got about three or four turnovers at the breakdown, and they were so well deserving of that victory. I was delighted for them because if Ulster had snatched it at the end, that and it looked likely that they might, I would, it would have been just an undeserved victory. But now they, now their, their prize is a trip to the Stormers yeah, or the Bulls. But that's a completely free shot. Like, and they're yeah. playing really well. Like, since their nightmare start to the season when the sports ground was being fixed up and they had to go away twice to South Africa, they had to go to Munster. Uh, I think they had to go to Ulster as well. You know, they, they've actually had a really, really good winning record. So they'll have no fear. And the, the hard ground in South Africa will suit their style of play. So who knows? Another shock could potentially be on the game. And, and as a player, let me tell you, what a brilliant 
brilliant way to finish off your season. A trip to South Africa that exactly. maybe nobody thought you were going to get. You're going to get down there. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, you've got, as you said, a free shot at it. People won't be expecting you to get that win. You can go out with freedom to express yourself and finish the season off, possibly on high and getting into another final, which would be an amazing thing. So it's a massive boost as a player. Uh, the excitement of getting to play in South Africa again um, for this season and as you said, with Andy Friend finishing up and everything else, uh, a, a huge boost for them. So yes, apologies that I didn't uh, give enough uh, praise to Connacht on that to all our Connacht listeners out there. But I'm highly impressed and uh, very happy as well, I have to be honest with you. I have a very uh, strong softness for Connacht. Um, yeah, sorry, getting on to that Munster match then. You feel that uh, they're going to get the job done? I do. Like, if you look at the team they've picked, like it's the first time they've been able to feel a back five in the pack of Orgy Snyman, uh, John Klein... And then Ty Byrne is back from injury, is huge boost. Peter Matty and Gavin Coombs. Like that back five will compete with almost any team in Europe. Mm. I'm like, and then if you look behind the scrum, the form line, the form lines at the moment are, are looking one way, and that's Munster in terms of like uh, Shane Daly, Calvin Nash in the wings have been unbelievable the last couple of weeks. They were great in South Africa. Malachi Fekatoa, after a very difficult start, has come into his own. He's actually playing really good rugby. Antoine Frisch has been really good. Connor Murray, I actually think, yeah. great form in South Africa. Two concerns for me would be their front row is still extremely underpowered and Stephen Archer I basically had to play the full 80 boat weeks in South Africa now I know they've had a week off now but a lot will be expected of him again and even though Jack Crowley has kind of seen off Joey Carberry in that 10 slot and he, Joey's not even in the squad and Ben Healy's on the bench I don't think Jack Crowley had a great two weeks in South Africa he was solid he was he was he didn't do anything bad but I think they'll need a big performance out of Jack Crowley today to win the match they have Ben Healy in reserve who's been playing really well too but if Jack Crowley kind of can give a really authoritative performance I think the rest of the team is really humming and while, while Glasgow are one of the form teams in Europe they'll also maybe have an eye on that big European final you know, Hugh Jones is only fitting up for a space on the bench, so like they're missing one of their X Factor players. And if I just look through the team sheets generally, I just generally think Munster matched up really well with them. I know they got hammered by them a few weeks ago, but that's almost a good thing for Munster come quarter final time. They won't be complacent. They'll be like the revenge factor will be high. And we saw how much better they played against the Sharks, getting a crack at them a couple of weeks after a humiliating defeat. So I think that all bodes well in their favour today. So I I'm I'm predicting another away victory for Munster. Excellent stuff. Well, that'll certainly be well worth watching and I'm excited about all of the games this weekend. Finally, Will, just to finish on the women's game, it's been a very tough Six Nations campaign. Um, more talk off the pitch than anything else and uh, they, there was no doubt huge effort, time and uh, uh, sweat put into trying to get results by the players on the field themselves, but it all culminated in a wooden spoon and uh, Greg McWilliams falling on his sword. What do you make of the whole thing? Uh, it was just an, another disaster, wasn't it? I remember coming on, I think, the day of the first game and, and saying that it, it was going to be a long campaign, potentially. But I, even then, I didn't think it was going to be as tough and as disappointing as it was. And they say, Greg McWilliams is gone now, so they have to go back to the drawing board in terms of recruiting another head coach. Mm. They've dropped into the third tier of the women's 15s. And if you look at the teams, they could be playing you know, Kazakhstan and, and, and a few other kind of random outposts are involved. So... 
I just don't see where the growth is going to come. First and foremost, like the seven players need to be brought back into the fold. Whatever chance they have of kicking on as a team requires them to have access to their best players. If I was a, a head coach and the RFU offered me the job, that would be my first thing. I, I wouldn't take a job unless I had access to my best players. I would, uh, Greg McWilliams, for whatever he did or didn't do, had one hand tied behind his back from yeah. the first minute. And if I'm a top quality coach and I'm looking at that team, I'm thinking like, work and all the politics you have to be fighting all this politics as well like it's not an attractive job at all like England were able to hire John Mitchell as their new coach like what an unbelievable statement of intent that is like that that shows where the women's game is in England like they had a massive crowd for England and France and you're thinking God we're we're not even in the same sport as that it caused them to question the viability of the Six Nations as a whole when certain teams are operating so far ahead of the rest like this World 15 probably is a much better structure for the men or the women's game um, than the Six Nations considering the massive you know, gap in the various teams mm. uh, it, it's going to be a long long road back for Ireland like unfortunately every time we've said that it's gotten worse I, I, I'd like to think it can't get any lower than this but it's going to take a lot of work um, and the, that coaching hire will be key Welcome back to Dublin's Talking Sport on Sunshine 106.8 with thanks to insuremyvan.ie. Yeah, Declan Drake on GAA in the company of Sean Lane in studio here this morning. Coming up on the programme, we will have Brian Talty looking back at Dublin's victory over Kildare in the Leinster Senior Football Championship semi-final last week. Ashley Clary, the PRO of the Leinster Ladies Gaelic Football Association, will be joining us to review Dublin's victory over Meath in their Leinster Championship opener last Sunday down in Park Talchon. And we'll also be looking uh, back at the hurling last week, the victory over Westmead, and uh, looking ahead to Wexford this evening in Croke Park, as well, of course, as a nod to our Camogie uh, team, who had a great victory last weekend as well. So from that point of view, our regular hurling analyst, Sean Lane, joins us in studio once again this morning. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning, Declan. How are you? Oh, very well. Looking forward to an absolutely cracking weekend of hurling. The only pity is, which we will discuss later, you won't be able to see any of it on television. But that's, that's another day's work, isn't it? <laughs> all the same the coronation of course is on in, in London today but Munster's hurling royalty won't be seen on television what do you think of that hey Joe Broly as they say right thank you indeed Sean more from you later ok we are going to start with uh, football now and uh, Dublin have duly qualified for a 13th consecutive Leinster Ch- Senior Football Championship uh, final thanks to a narrow 14 points to 12 victory over Kildare at Croke Park last Sunday now in fairness to Desi Farrell here in the programme last week he did say he was expecting a tight contest from uh, Kildare and that's exactly how it proved to be late points from Cormac Costello and Lorcan O'Dell of Temple Oak Sing Street securing that victory well it's time now once again to welcome back to Dublin's Talking Sport our good friend uh, Brian Talty the former Dublin uh, selector good morning Brian Morning, Declan. How are you? Oh, very well, thank you. A little bit grey and dull down here in the Docklands this morning, but uh, hopefully the quality of the GA action over the weekend will bring some sunshine to our lives. Um, not m- too much sunshine in the Dublin Meath game or Dublin Kildare game. Pardon me. Last week, Brian, a two-point uh, victory in, in the end. What did you make of it overall? I'd say in the end of the day, Desi and the lads are very happy that you know they got that challenge in Leinster. To be honest with you, and and. You know, as you said, Desi was saying earlier on in the week that he was expecting a big challenge from Kildare. Now, Declan, over the last few years, we've been expecting a big challenge from Kildare and they've really let us down. But you have to give them great credit for last last week. They they really had their, their team organised really well. Their defence was well set up. And they also had men to mark the Dublin 
key men, you know. So, so fellas like Fento were marked by Kevin O'Callaghan. He did a really good job. They brought in Mick O'Grady to mark Con O'Callaghan. He did a good job as well, you know. So, um, yeah, they had they had, uh, they had themselves well organised. And I think if they hadn't tired near the end of the game, they could have won the game, to be honest with you. But I'd say Dublin are delighted with that challenge um, because they're they're looking at greater things down the line. So uh, and trying to get the team sorted out, trying to get their subs in place and all that kind of stuff, you know. And their their game plan, which didn't work the last day, to be honest with you, they found it very hard to break Kildare down. So um, I'd be giving great great credit to Kildare and said, look, okay, Dublin didn't play well, but it was partly because of the way Kildare were set up, definitely. Great to see Paul Mannion back in the fall kicked uh, three points uh, last week as well. But I think Kildare probably had lured us into a little false sense of security, had they? Because they had a very close game with us in the league in Crow Park. Then their form seemed to take a, an ultimate dip after that. And there was questions whether they would even remain in the Sam Maguire race, which ultimately they, they have as well. Um, so, as you say, they will welcome the challenge uh, that, they, that they received. They've learned probably a lot more about themselves over the 70 minutes uh, last week. And looking forward now to uh, a Leinster final against uh, Loud next weekend, Brian. Yeah, absolutely, Becky. As you say, I was saying to you that Kildare had, you know, their their man markers in place and everything like that. I think they forgot about Mannion for a while because he kicked some massive scores, to be honest with you. And you know, eventually got tired. But th- these are the things, you know, that are happening with Dublin. They're 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 getting Paul Mannion in to giving them games. You know, they're getting Jack McCaffrey back in to give getting games. They're also giving games to the likes of Keane Murphy and these fellas. Uh, you know, and as you say, Larkin O'Dell. So so I think that. The way I look at it, I think they're building and building, and uh, hopefully they keep building and they, their performances get a little bit better. But, but um, yeah, you know. But it, it, I know, I know for a fact, like the lads were delighted to get that challenge. And even if you listen to Desi, Desi said it'll take a few fellas down a step, and then he said, well, they don't need to be. But obviously, fellas thought, you know, Leinster. You know, we'll win Leinster, but certainly Kildare proved this that uh, you have to be on your toes and you have to be playing well, or otherwise you could get caught. A lot of talk, of course, during the week about the usual stuff, the advantages Dublin have, etc., etc. We're blue in the face uh, listening to it at this stage in, in the capital, of course, uh, Brian. But Kildare, I think, are, are a real role model because they've had some success at under 20 level over the last couple of years indeed they're in an All-Ireland semi-final at that level this evening so if they can keep that conveyor belt of talent coming through and the provincial championship system of course is maintained we could have a, a serious challenge on a more regular basis from the likes of Kildare over the next few years yeah, absolutely, Declan. You know, I mean, the performances that are under 21 have been fantastic. And I think one of the best performances I saw over the years was when Davy Burke, the president for us, common manager, was in charge of Kildare, put on some brilliant performances that are under 20. And then they won under 20 again last year, you know, or, or this year. So uh, a lot of talent coming through. And when you look at their team from last week, Declan, there's a huge amount of talent in it. Look at the subs that they have as well. Like, I mean, they brought on Daniel Flynn, they brought on Kevin Feely, they brought on Niall Flynn. These fellas are all brilliant footballer. Paul, Paul Cribben, all experienced. So I'm looking at teams and I'm saying, are they picking teams and then making sure that they have fellas to come on and have an impact in the game when they come in? Uh, now the Dublin subs had a better impact to be honest with you when you can bring on, bring on the likes of Jack McCaffrey when the other team are getting tired and that's what happened you know Dublin brought on Jack McCaffrey they brought on uh, Cormac Costello they brought on Larkin O'Dell and like when you think of it Declan the pace in those guys is unbelievable so when you're getting tired you're in trouble when these guys come in fresh and, and that's what broke down the Kildare defensive setup 
uh, was the pace of those guys, you know. Yeah. But another thing that we found out the last day, I suppose, is you need a free taker. And if Dublin are going to go on and try and win in All Ireland, they need a free taker. So we have to. We, we wonder what's happening with Dean Rock. And if you don't have Dean Rock, should you have Cormac Costello? So they're learning these things as they go along. I'm sure the lads know this, and, and what they're doing is they're building and they're trying to get fellas into place and they're putting cover in place both for free taking and everything else, you know. So, um, yeah, big challenge from from Kildare the last day, and uh, I think the lads are delighted with it. Yeah, and one thing we never mentioned, Dickie, was the, the fact that uh, the great Tuckall came back in the goal <laughs> as well. Yeah, indeed. You, you did say when you were on the programme the last time he wasn't coming back just to sit on the bench, and uh, oh, no. that's been proven to be correct. Uh, amazing sight to see him back uh, in. In Crow Park because I think the last time he played there there was nobody there that was the 2020 All-Ireland Final of course and there he was yeah, playing yeah. last week so fantastic to and not to alone see. that Declan not alone that Declan he, he saved from Jack Robinson early in the game was a huge save as yeah. well and his kickouts were brilliant you know okay. so I'm sure he gives great count now David O'Hannon has been brilliant throughout the league but when you have an experienced goalkeeper that has won so much and has been captain as a team you know he obviously gives great confidence to that full back line as well are all over the place but yeah it's good to have him back and there's the other thing like they, they now have Clucker they now have David O'Hannon to cover so the lads seem to be kind of building and yeah. putting cover in place for all the little different things you know so yeah. uh, hopefully I'm right and hopefully it comes right It's all building blocks isn't it Brian? It's yeah well that's that's probably it but now I think you know you have to start looking at your team now and say this is our team I'm, I'm wondering what's happening with the likes of Brian Howard he's not getting a run at all so it's, it's, yeah. uh, he could be injured you know but uh, he's there as well so the fellas in the subs that can come in and impact the game well, if one one thing finally, if the, the Stephen Cluxton affair when it happened before the loud game told us, you, you'll never find out what's happening within the Dublin camp anyway, will you? So, until the actual day day of a match, which of course is the way it probably should be from their own point of view, anyway, as well. Oh, no, yeah. Brian, we look forward to talking to you perhaps in Crow Park next Sunday ahead of the the loud game. Thank you very much indeed for taking our call on the program this morning. Very welcome. Hey, good to got there to Brian Talty, former Dublin selector. Some interesting insights, and uh, that Leinster final is against Loud next Sunday afternoon. I think it's the early game, quarter to two, something like that, at Crow Park next uh, Sunday afternoon. Okay, we're going to move on, and we're going to stay with football, but move to the ladies now. And they opened their TG Carr Leinster Championship defence last Sunday afternoon with a 1-6 to 7-point victory over the old rivals Mead at Park Talchon. Hannah Tyrrell, who less than 24 hours before that was commentating on the Ireland women's rugby team in the Six Nations, scored the crucial goal there for Mick Bowen's charges. They will be out again in the Championship tomorrow afternoon. It's a home game for them against Leash at DCU. Two o'clock start down there tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so we wish Mick and the girls every success. But to get a brief uh, overview of the Mead game and see where we're at at the moment, delighted to be joined by Ashling Clary, the PRO of the Leinster Ladies Gaelic Football Association. Good morning, Ashling. Morning, Declan. How are you? Good, good. Thank you very much. And uh, nice to talk to you after all this time again. Yes, it's, it must be championship season if we're speaking on air. <laughs> it absolutely is. It came back with a roar last Sunday afternoon. So it's, uh, it's great to have it back. Yeah, the contest itself, two-point victory for Dublin ultimately. Was it one they deserved, do you think? Um, it was a very, very finely balanced game deck. Um, Dublin took control of it. The first 15 minutes or so, Dublin um, were, were incredible. Owned the game, possession, moved the ball really, really well. And then something changed. Meath grew more into the game um, and Dublin kind of struggled a little bit. Um, 
But I, I think over it, they, they, they hung on. Defensively, they were very, very strong and they kind of prevented me on several occasions from, from kind of getting those uh, levelling scores. Um, and overall, they were probably slightly, they shaded us maybe. Uh, but if, if the sides do meet again, um, who knows what will happen. Yeah, well, a victory for Dublin over Leash at DCU tomorrow will put them into the final. So you would expect that they will play Meath uh, again. Um, the rivalry is showing no signs of, of being on the way in at all, is it? If anything, it's, it's going the other way because they're playing each other so often? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's an interesting one. They played each other in the first round of the league back in January. And I think Dublin, maybe where they were more organised or they were re- more ready for the league. Uh, Davy Nelson had only taken management of the main team. And Dublin won well um, in DCU, actually, on that occasion. So it was interesting to see how how close the sides were uh, last Sunday. Um it, it'll be interesting if they do meet. And I was talking to the Leash girls uh, last night at the Team of the League Awards, um, and they're hell set for, for taking on Dublin tomorrow afternoon. So um, it'll be an interesting contest. It'll be interesting to see if Dublin have learned from last week, if they can kind of keep that performance going for longer than the 15 or 20 minutes that they did. Um, but you would expect, obviously, Leash, their first year since I think 2017 uh, being in the senior championship you would hope that uh, Dublin would, would account for themselves and get their place in that Leinster final OK finally Ashton for those that might be interested in going along to DCU tomorrow the the, the, the uh, process for getting tickets for, for, for the game where are they available? So the, the tickets the links to the tickets are on all Dublin social media they're also on Leinster social media and on our website leinsterladiesgaelic.ie and the game is also being streamed um, by Jerome Quinn and the links to that are all over on our social media Super, well. super. Well, uh, are you heading along tomorrow yourself or are you on uh, royal duty? No, no. As in Mead as opposed to the other fellow? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, I'll be in DCU tomorrow. So Excellent. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Right, we'll look forward to sharing a cup of coffee with you there at some stage tomorrow afternoon. So thank you very Happy much, Neil, to Ashton Clary there for of the Leinster Ladies Gaelic Football Association for joining us on the line there this morning. And the best of luck to Mick and the girls tomorrow afternoon. OK, we're going to turn our attention now to Hurling. And Dublin last week recorded a 223 to 114 success over Westmead at Parnell Park in their second game of the Leinster Championship for 2020. The goals from Donald Burke and Keane Boland won in either half. Donald indeed top scoring with a goal and nine points. So it's a win and a draw in our two games uh, so far this season. And we play Wexford at Croke Park this evening at five o'clock. Well, after the victory over Westmead last week, I spoke with Dublin boss Michal Donahue, who was quite happy to come away with the victory. Uh, um, obviously, after last week, the draw last week, we knew we had to get a win today. And, you know, Westmead started the game really well. I thought the boys fought their way back uh, into the game and you know finished the second quarter really strong and uh, created the gap then in the third and just saw it out. The importance of the goals, the first one to put you in front having been behind for over half an hour and the second one then to, to kick for home in the second half through Keane. Yeah it was and uh, like you know their goal in the first half as well just gave them a good cushion as well so we had to work really hard to get back into the game and, and the lads Julie did that and you know the second goal Keane took it really well. How much was patience an important part of that victory today, particularly in the first half? Because it was a real dogfight for long periods over there. Yeah, it is. But look, that, that that's a game of hurling, isn't it? You're never going to dominate for 70 minutes and just try and minimise the effect of 
the opposition when they're in the ascendancy and uh, I thought the lads worked really hard and you know when when we did get back on parity they pushed on and uh, created a good gap for us as well. And after last week's result in Corrigan Park and Belfast where you picked up the point crucial to get the two today which you did and on to a, a real key game now against Wexford in Crow Park one for everyone to save our next Saturday evening Michal. Yeah it's a game to really look forward to but you know the importance we weren't looking past today you know we knew we had to get two points you know that was really stressed to the lads all week and in fairness they they trained really well all week and they were very focused and driven to get the two points today. That's all it is and uh, we just get focused now on recovery to go again next week. Thank you. Look, next week is going to be a huge game. Uh, just after hearing uh, Wexford won, like so. Look, we're in. That's a, that's a big game for us. Like you know, we have to try and put our best foot forward in it. Like you know, it's a, a game in Croker as well that the lads are really looking forward to. But you know, as I said, it's just one game at a time. With three points on the board now, and we focus on recovery now for tomorrow and get ready then for a big week next. Of your remaining two home games to, to Crow Park from Parnell Park is a decision, I suppose, which splits opinion. But uh, you're you're pleased with that particular decision yourself? Yeah, I'm content with it. Uh, I think in terms of the team we have and the attributes that they have, I think playing in Crow Park will will suit them. Uh, yeah, it's a big call, but in fairness as well, I think in promoting the game and where Dublin Hurling wants to go. You know, why not use it when it's there for us? So we're really looking forward to it. I suppose you know, the point is, Leinster Championships, etc., are not won in Parnell Park; they're won in Crow Park. Yeah, but look, I'm not even going to go down that road. It's about uh, the opportunity was there to do it, and we just availed of it. Yeah, look, I, I think the attributes that we have, look, uh, the, the games we have there are going to be really, really tough. We've tr- three tough games to come. I said we are. We'll focus now on on Wexford. That's that's the next big one for us. And as I said it's in Croker, so the boys. We had a run out there against Tip in the league and really enjoyed that. So likewise, they're looking forward to playing there next week. Yeah, looking forward to getting back to Crow Park this evening with the hurlers. All right, from five o'clock. Sean Lane, the hurling analyst, is with us in studio. Sean, what did you make of that twelve-point defeat of the Lake County last week? Yeah, look at it. I was. I suppose I won't say disappointed I was surprised with the start I mean having got a fright up at Antrim but we didn't come straight out of the blocks and I actually thought that Westmead played really well for 20 minutes and every time we get a score to try and bridge a gap they, they got another score and kept away but look at you, you've said it many times Declan here and we've both said it about the importance of goals but I, I just think the goal that Donald Burke got in the first half let everybody relax and, and, and Dublin did play well and, and look you have to highlight Keane Boland's goal the second half it was a tremendous goal and what I did like about the display 223 is a good score as you say getting a couple of goals as well but like if you take the, the, the half line back line of Conor Burke in the championship and uh, here we are can we can we get the victory this evening over the, the model county boys well I suppose if you look at the game you, you look at you couldn't be happy with Dublin's form so far in the sense that they've, they've got their three points they, they are where they want to be but they could have been better uh, look at what we're playing against um, Wexford haven't been going well and we talked about that um, haven't had big crowds whatever but you know the last day they, they played now they did concede an awful lot Declan 124 I think they conceded or 126 even um, but at the other end Rory O'Connor scored 7 points from play his brother Jack uh, started centre forward he contributed 5 Lee Ching Liam McGovern played really well and Lee, Lee Ching came in with 8 points now inclusive of freeze that's a lot of guys Conor McDonald didn't start for them uh, and when he came in he, he seemed to have 
got the belt and the G up that he needed and mm. caught a couple of great balls. So, like, if those four f- fellas play well all in the one day, it's going to be a tough game tonight, Declan. Yeah, we certainly wish the boys well in that. Uh, time is racing away from us a little bit here. Just want to mention the Camogie team and their splendid victory over Wexford last week. 2-13 to 1-14, two-point victory. They're into the semi-final of the Leinster Championship, uh, which is... Uh, 2pm I think is, is it tomorrow they're playing that I think uh, but uh, the best of luck to them in any way. but a great victory uh, for them last week Sean after having such a poor league campaign which we discussed on the programme we did and, and, and we also discussed Wexford form on, on league form where they'd won four of their five games and we hadn't won any we got a draw but uh, on the day a couple of things have to be said uh, Ashley Marlin you, you've had a great interview with her d- during the year scored 1-8 a crucial penalty but what I thought was really lovely to see that that, that, that Neve Cumberford from, from Croaks came in the young girl um, Ashley O'Neill from Castlenock and her own Grace O'Shea from Ballantyr and Abby Ryan your own girl from, 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 from Crumlin I mean there, there's young girls coming onto the team now uh, and they're making a contribution and it was absolutely brilliant to see I think they'll get over me today so that's positive as okay. well but as we often say, the, the, the girls are the men with the stripy jerseys. If you get to a Leinster final, they're usually down the other end, and, and yeah. that'll be a tough ask. But okay. the very best look to them today. Indeed, the best look to them. Thank you very much indeed, Sean, for joining us on the programme this morning. It's uh, racing away from his time, as usual, on the section. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>